0: Adam, Michie uh, your, yeah. your book, Orientation, is 10 years old, for which congratulations. Is, yeah. <laughs> I can't
1: quite believe it. It should be starting secondary school next
0: year. Absolutely. It time whizzes. I mean, there are kids now um, going to university who would have been in nappies when I started at Edinburgh 15 years ago. There's nothing you can do about time. When you wrote this no. book, you weren't even married to the lovely Stacey no. and now she is your wife. You're right. You're
1: right, I wasn't even married. I think the season that uh, it covers, I hadn't even moved into my first house, like proper house. You know, we were still renting. But yeah, that's, that's a long, that feels like a million years ago. Yeah, it also feels like, you know, last week. Honestly, it's, it's crazy. Ten, ten very um, eventful years, not just for me, but interestingly for, for Spurs and also for Orient. It's probably, you know, having followed Orient for that period of time now and you know when you talk to the fans, because obviously I follow a lot of the fans on, on Twitter um, and understanding the history this last 10 years has been tumultuous for multiple reasons and, and tragic reasons and mm. all sorts of reasons, it's been a crazy 10 years um, and, I, and, and at the same time what happened at Spurs has been unprecedented you know, to be able to At that point in time cracking the Champions League for the first time and then you know fast forward nine years they're in the Champions League final which nobody predicted and then you think what's happening now when they're just stumbling around again and it feels like they're back to, to to how it was before I even sort of you know thought about going to Orient and you know where they were a sort of a middling club making lots of errors and bit of a circus and that kind of thing and f- football happens quickly and things go round and round and round and it, nothing ever seems to s- stay the same but nothing changes
0: yeah i mean you're talking to a watford fan I've, i <laughs> well, i i okay, used well. to go i used to sit in the west upper at white Hart lane between um 1998 and 2003 so if you say the word goran <clears throat> bunjevcevic i will Bun- Yeah. Bunyev- yes and jose dominguez uh, Mauricio Torico and on and on and on I went to I went to Cardiff for the first time it rained all the way there all the way back I remember nothing about the Blackburn Spurs League Cup final and for so for about 10 years I was convinced that Robbie Savage played in that game he he didn't he played in the other League no, Cup final
1: that's right and and got just Edinburgh percent off mm-hmm. uh, but no yeah that, that was a Awful League Cup final. I listened to that. I think I I, because I was in my first year at uni, and I think I was travelling either back up to uni for some reason because it was about February time. Yeah, Um, I, I must have either been going back up there or coming back down for like end of semester or something. And I was listening to the game on the radio, and listening to the football on the radio is is painful at the best of times, you know, because you never quite have any real context about where the ball is on the pitch. Or if I have a shot and it goes, you know, it could go a mile over the bar or go narrowly past the bar and you wouldn't know on the radio. Uh, so you kind of, your brain fills in the blanks. But yeah, I, I listened to that, that game all the way home in the car um, and made it just in time for Blackburn to score a winner.
0: <laughs> but yeah, not,
1: not not the finest trip home I've ever had yeah.
0: I can imagine. Um, I, you think that was bad. I was at that game where... Spurs oh, were booed game. off at half-time oh, oh, right. against Birmingham. It oh, was a, it was a right. League Cup tie. And oh, I, that's I, racking my brains now. I'll try and pull it up. I think it was Spurs 1, Birmingham 3.
1: And Are you looked, sure it wasn't Leicester?
0: No, it was definitely Birmingham. Uh, October, okay. that was Halloween. It was um, the right. 31st of October 2000. I was there. It was so awful. Mark Burchill, <laughs> Deli Adebola. Here's the Tottenham oh, 11. God. And it was a good team. Sullivan, Carr, Freund, Perry, Anderton, Sherwood, Ferdinand, Corsten, Thatcher, Clements, Vega.
1: You say good team. That, that's that that's was, a great uh,
0: team. Uh, Apart from oh, Ben Thatcher, oh God,
1: great, great is not the word. Bless him. Ramon Vega was a, a, a full, uh, sort of hearted kind of player, but he wasn't very good.
0: It's a completely you know, different team
1: you now. And it is, but and it's really funny actually. I think that that's that's the that's the context in which I think people miss when. They're on Twitter ranting about it now and I've probably been guilty of it about, you know, the club slipping back to the the bad old days and everyone goes, Yeah, but I remember the nineties. I was like, Yeah, the ninety the late nineties, early noughties were pretty bad. When I was at uni, so my I went to uni two thousand and one, September two thousand one and that team then, you know, people like Gary Doherty um, you still had players like Ander knocking about, but he was kind of, you know, he's held together by sellotape. Um, he was still one of my favourite players, but it was a bad team. With we had George Graham, and then it was um, Glenn Hoddle.
0: Yep.
1: It's when we went three nil up against Man United. At home I was time and lost five three. Oh, Christ! Unbelievable I, that this, game. That was the second week I'd been at university, and it, I was in the foulest mood after that. And I think, I actually remember the week before, like I'd moved in the week before, and I remember having the the radio on as I was kind of unpacking my stuff and we got beat 2-1 by Liverpool. <laughs> that's that's how football works in my brain. Like There's moments in my life and I'm always attaching a football game to it or something that Spurs have done or uh, or actually sort of in the last 10 years, what Aurea might have done as well. So I have two two reference points.
0: Yeah, it's that tremendous. That was a
1: terrible side. You know, at the same time I was at university with... A couple of the guys I ended up going to Orient with, so that's Murph and Jamie. I met Chaz up there as well, but he was a friend with Murph from school. I didn't know Chaz until I got to uni. And, you know, that was a period of time where Arsenal were very, very good and being, you know, winning league titles and <laughs> going unbeaten in seasons and stuff, that period of time. So having a terrible, terrible, terrible Spurs side and having a very, very good Arsenal side was, um, yeah, that was a painful period.
0: My brother was at the Judas game. We shared a season Not ticket, really. so Dad would take yeah. Rich to some and me to others. And yes, I heard about the balloons and uh, the, the booing. The minute,
1: was it the minute of contempt where they were going to turn around yes. away from the pitch or something?
0: God, I forgot about that, but yeah, that's right. No, my question was going to be, who were Spurs and Orient playing when your child was born? Oh, that is a blooming good question, huh? Well, he
1: was born on a Thursday, so the closest game to it was the Sunday, which is when we actually took him home. Uh and the very first game he has ever witnessed with his human eyes was Spurs beating Manchester City 2-0 at home. September, no, that had been October by then, so the start of October 2016.
0: Oh, wow. So...
1: So, yeah, I I carried him over the threshold with a little Spurs baby grow on him because it was too big for him, so I just draped it over him. (laughs) I carried him over the threshold, took him upstairs, uh, into the house for the first time, sat him down on the, the sofa, turned on the TV... And it was Spurs Man City, and uh, Deli Ali scored. Um, I can't remember who got the other one. He might have got both actually, uh, or maybe it was Toby Alderweireld or someone. I can't remember. But no, no I'll Dele have a look at this. Scored, uh,
0: this is second uh, of October 2016, and uh, yes, talking about good teams: Eriese, Walker, Tong and Rose, Sizoko, Wanyama, Eriksson, Deli Ali, Lamela, Son, coming off the bench: Yansen and Kudu, and Eric Dyer.
1: When I think of 2016, 2017, that first 11 was probably by far and away the best of my lifetime. Um, when you think, yeah, you know, Lloris Walker, Danny Rose, Jamba Tongan, and Alderweireld, that was our back five. Mm-hmm. You know, Dyer occasionally came back there, but he was largely a midfielder at the time. And then having people like Dembele and Wanyama, yeah, that was a serious team. And it didn't win anything. I mean, well, I I, I guess at the end of the day, you, you, you get what you deserve. The fact that they kind of lost their rag a little bit in certain periods of time, so towards the end of that season, drawing games that they should have won, like West Brom and things like that. When we weren't that far behind Chelsea, you know, we finished second that season and we really weren't that far behind Chelsea. I think it ended up being about seven points, the difference in the end. It wasn't much. And you end up going back through the results and going, God, if we'd have just turned that draw into a win... You know, and just uh, you could do it all day long with with football. But yeah, it felt like that was a um, you know, if you were to compare Premier League teams, you think of Leeds back in '02. Um, you know, teams that were really good but didn't win anything or Newcastle didn't quite
0: make.
1: Yeah, perfect example. So that's twenty five years on from that Newcastle team and. People still lauded them, and actually I actually had a, I had a, um, a kind of WhatsApp uh, row with mates the other day, saying, "Well, the Newcastle team are lauded, you know, for, for the way they played and coming so close and not winning. Will this the Spurs team of 2016-2017? Will that be the same thing?" And they all went, "No, no, it
0: won't be." And I was like, "Why? Why not?" So it was the team in 2003 and four when they had, um, Shearer was the captain still. Bobby Robson was in charge. Uh, the, yeah, Gary Speed was still yes. there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, that was a cracking team.
0: But it all started for you, Adam Mickey, uh in 1989. You were six. My first game was when I was eight. It was actually at Highbury, uh, because next door Ooh. we lived next to some Arsenal fans who had a box, and I. Re- it was Arsene Wenger's first month as Arsenal manager. Um, wow! I remember so I 96. 96. I remember the clock. Uh, And for some reason, I remember David O'Leary. I think he was on the cover of the Um, programme. I think Wright and Dixon scored. Um, But I don't remember it being, as you said, your first game was intoxicating because of the senses. I think I remember the secondhand smoke, which is my big (laughs) memory of the lane when I used to go. But yes, your first game was West Ham United, nil. Queen's Park Rangers, nil. And it was 1989. So the Hillsborough disaster was just about to happen or... It was about
1: yeah, so it was. The, I think it was the 25th of February. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found the other day, but my mum was um, going through some old stuff and getting me to clear a house out of all my old junk, and I found the program from that game, and it was the 25th of February, uh, and how Paul Ince was on the front. This was before the whole wearing the Man United shirt before he signed, and all West Ham fans hating him yeah. forever. Liam Brady was playing. You know, it's just it was that period when that pre Premier League period where it was still very much old school football as it was. You know crappy pitches, smoke-filled uh, stands, people actually standing, you know. There's, when I look back on it, you know, your memory kind of plays tricks on you. I remember it being packed. I think up to park, probably only had about 20,000 people in it at the time. And it could have fit a hell of a lot more. The memories of, you know, the stamping feet and me not being able to stamp my feet because my legs were too short <laughs> to reach the floor. And you know, the people swearing and the smoking and the, just the sea of legs when you're that little. You know, I, I can only imagine. I, I haven't taken uh, my son to a game yet. I, I don't think, first I don't think he'd sit still. That's the one thing, and I don't want to waste God knows how much money uh, doing that. Although I would happily take him to Orient, I think because at least if he did get bored, I could we could go without him. You know, without me losing the, the family fortune. Yeah, just that whole experience of, of walking through a sea of legs. Everyone's much bigger than you. It's loud. It's smelly. Everything that a child might be terrified of, I loved, and the game itself was completely irrelevant. You know, it could have been anything. I wasn't. I just started getting into football. Um, you know, just knowing players and 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 it would be on the TV, but I, it would never really hold my attention that much. Um, I actually remember going to a game. Must have been about maybe a year later because I grew up in Billericay.
0: Hey. and
1: uh, Town Is he... yeah Billericay Town
0: deepest darkest Essex the,
1: the, the, the deepest darkest of Essex yeah um, and Billericay Town had played a game against West Ham so we all went over there you know my family and there was some friends over there I ended up playing football over the other, over the back behind you know they basically had two pitches or they had a car park over the back I, I played football most of the time instead of watching the game mm-hmm. and I think it was four all it was some absolute cracking game of pre-season football And I went on the pitch afterwards and got like Julian Dix's autograph and things like that. Uh, Another thing I found the other day, actually looking through uh, all the stuff from my mum's. But yeah, it was just one of those events, I think, that it could have gone either way. I think you could either be terrified and turn it off, you know, just completely, I don't want to do that again. But I went completely the other way, which was, I need to consume more of this. What the hell is this? You know, it was, I loved it.
0: Well, it must have been a good last year for you. Because it's been football, football, watch the football, it's going to move, look at it, it's the football, mattering to someone somewhere in the kind of Mitchell and Webb famous sketch. Probably the opposite. I've been, this season has
1: just been like, it's too much football.
0: Oh, good, you agree with me? Yeah,
1: it's not having fans, VAR, all of these things. I mean, Spurs not being very good, you know, Jose, I've never particularly liked Jose Mourinho, having all of these ingredients and then, you know, Add the ESL thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but add that into the mix, and I've just been like, I don't care. Like where I used to watch every game, whether it was Spurs or not, you know, it used to drive Stacey absolutely loopy. That you know, I'd, I'd want to watch this game. She's like, Well, Spurs playing? No. So why do you want to watch it then? So like, because because football's on. I wasn't like that this year. I was I was turning games off. I was just getting bored. I was like, I don't. I'm not interested in seeing this. There was no spectacle. There was no, it didn't feel like there was any jeopardy. Do you know what I mean? Like there was nothing, there was nothing outside of them actually kicking the ball around. You don't, you don't appreciate once, once you take all that away, it is, it literally is 22 blokes kicking the ball
0: around. Yeah. Very well-paid blokes.
1: You just switch off. You're like, I don't care. I've got to do something. I've got to
0: play with my son. I've got to do some Lego or something, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, Lego. Um, Lego's more awesome than football. I spent the year oh, wow. learning um, what Watford fans were really like. I started uh, following football, following Watford through Twitter. And whenever someone would say, oh, what a brilliant save or what a disastrous game, I would go, oh, well, that's hyperbole. That's going over the top. And it got me in big trouble. So I stopped doing it in the end. Um, <laughs> oh, but, yeah. It got to a point where I thought, I don't want to support this club. And I was actively, this is horrible, but I was actively rooting for whoever were playing against Watford so that these (laughs) cretins would have just a bad, have a tantrum, which is not healthy in any (laughs) way. I
1: started to see a bit of that at the end of the Jose. He was like, I want Jose to lose so he gets sacked and we get our Tottenham back. I was just like, OK, I've never wanted Spurs to lose. Mm. It doesn't matter. You could put, you know, Satan himself in charge of Spurs. and I'd probably still, you know, quite happily support them.
0: Uh, Although I'd be a bit like, oh, he's
1: wearing red. You know, red and arsehole,
0: (laughs) like that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. maybe stick him in blue. Um, But (laughs) you wrote this book 10 years ago, Orientation. And in the introduction, which is brilliant, you say that football is a group activity. And that's probably what I discovered in the last year. It is the fact that there are communities in America and Europe and Asia There are kids in, is it Hong Kong or Thailand? There there, there are people who watch Watford who tune in. And that's the impressive thing. I mean, it's great that Watford have gone up, whoop-de-doo, 150 million quid, and we're favourites for relegation. The manager won't last five minutes. Uh, But he's got a new deal so that he can at least get a nice payoff. But yeah, football is a group activity. It is walking down. I presume you've been to the Vic. I never
1: have. You're right, I haven't. It's one of the clubs that I've there's been a handful of London and I include include Watford as a London club even though I know it's Hertfordshire but it's close enough Mm -hmm. all of the London clubs I think I've been to I haven't done Millwall I haven't done Watford Oh, I haven't done um, I haven't done Stamford Bridge either but I think all the others I have done I don't know why I've I've not done Watford it seems a strange one it's it's so easy to just get there and back because I did a lot of sort of you know ground hopping we just want to you know what we're doing today? Oh, nothing. should go watch for football. Yeah, all right. That's, I mean, it's part of the reason why we ended up going over to Orient. Um, but yeah, Watford never, not Watford never appeared on the uh, on the agenda.
0: I have I been to a Watford Spurs game. I've been to Watford Manu, Watford Chelsea, um, and then I have been to Stamford Bridge, the lane, not the new one with the the beer that comes out automatically. Uh, oh, the, like,
1: the magic, yeah, the, the, that's yeah. that's the best thing that I think the owners have been able to do uh, in, the in the last posh, few years is the, is the magic, times. the magic beer cups I actually went to um, Spurs, Watford. We drew one all, and Deli Ali really yep, should have been trapped. came off his hand.
0: Handball. Came off his hand. Yeah, everyone knows.
1: Yeah, because we, we we're all in. Everyone in the ground was kind of going, eh <laughs> It like, said VAR. We're like, "Oh, here we go. He'll rule this out." And then we all saw it and went, "Yep, yeah, he'll rule that out." And they went, "Yep, yeah, goal!" Like what? We did. We deserve nothing from that game. I think Decore,
0: Decore absolutely tore us to bits. Yeah. You can tell. And this is what happens. It's like when Luka Modric goes to Real Madrid. You know they're too good. Ismail Assar should not be at Watford. Uh, we are the club of crocked England internationals Cleverly, Hughes, Chalabar, uh, yeah. Foster, Welbeck. He, yeah. Welbeck, who was oh, there for 10 minutes, who um, is now at Brighton. And... Actually,
1: he got injured that game against Spurs. Oh. And everyone started laughing because he's obviously ex Arsenal.
0: In like the first he minute, the he did his knee in yeah, the first minute. It's the, uh, Yeah, it was literally within the
1: first five minutes he was done.
0: Although we have our version of Harry Kane, of whom more shortly is the great Troy Deeney, who is putting out a book called Redemption. It comes out in September. Uh, and this is a guy, we know Troy, Dor- Troy Dory's story. We know Troy Deeney, I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Troy Dory. Troy is, is our legend. Um, he is the face of the club. He's friends with Elton, he's friends with AJ. What is your view on Troy comma father of three? Is he really?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, he's not gone grey. He's not gone grey, that's my opinion. He has, he's got three kids and he hasn't gone grey. Oh, he, can, so he, he, has he has access to
0: very good uh, hair transplants. I'm sure he even, does. So. My, my opinion of Troy, D, uh, Troy Dini is actually quite high. I rate him as
1: a footballer. Uh, he is an absolute nuisance. That, that I think that's a f- football phrase that people mm-hmm. bandy about. He is a nuisance. And he scores some very good goals and he scores some very important goals. But the, the one that leaps to mind was that one against Leicester when there was that mad... 30 seconds when knockout misses down one end and you went out the other end and I think he scored and you got promoted.
0: Oh, um, we didn't. We went to the playoff not, final. Oh, you
1: went to the playoff final, that's right, that's right, you went to the playoff final, but what a game anyway. Do you know what I like about him? It's not actually his football. When he goes on, mm. does his punditry, he doesn't toe any lines. You know, you know you listen to some commentators and you think they're pushing something here. There's, there's, there's a, a, a story that they're going for, an angle that they're pushing. Never feel that with Troy Deeney. He always calls it as it is. And I really like that about him. He's a very good pundit. Um, it'd
0: He's be brilliant. good to
1: see a bit more of him.
0: I hope so. He's, it's actually his birthday as, um, in a couple of weeks as we speak. Troy Deeney and I, if we'd have both grown up in either Watford or Chelmsley Wood, we'd have been at the same school year. The, oh, right. the most amazing one of those, and you can have a go at this yourself, Lineker and Maradona. If Maradona had been born in Leicester, they would have been in the same school year. That is one of the most oh, incredible right. things. And uh, I'm going on about Maradona because there's a book that's coming out around the time this interview is published. Uh, Guillaume Balagay, who's already written about Messi, Ronaldo, Guardiola, worked with Pochettino on that book, Brave New World. Uh, the biography of Maradona is going to be the book of this summer. It's out in hardback, so probably paperback next year. But uh, we're going to hear a yeah, lot of Guillaume. Yeah, what, what, a, what a player. What
1: but, a player. yeah. yeah. I would do. I would do if if you've done your your, um, your comparison with Troy Deane. My direct comparison is uh, Rafael van der Vaart is born exactly one day after me.
0: Oh, exactly wow. one
1: day. So so we we so all of the uh, all of the footballing talent that was being dished out at that particular point of the universe missed its mark and went all the way over to Holland and missed me. Uh, it could have been so different.
0: Yes, but <laughs> can you play darts?
1: Uh, I, I can play. Yeah, there we go.
0: Uh, well, van, in the same way that Raphael van der Vaart now plays darts. I'm sure you know.
1: Does he? Well, that's, that, that's a good point, actually, yeah. Well, I, he's got the name for it because he yeah. was already a van der Vaart. So he's just added to the van der Vaarts. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I, he would probably flash me in darts to be, as, as he would in football and probably most sports.
0: Let's try and make it happen. Uh, my dad has a link with Robin <laughs> van Persie. I'll tell you this. I don't think I've told this story. Mum and Dad split up, 2005. Dad rented a place in North London. And when he turned on the TV, he found some adult channels in the Dutch language. And it turned out that it had been Van Persie's flat when he moved oh, to London. Robin. Robin, Robin, dirty boy. Yes, indeed. Although pornography is very less frowned upon in Holland. They're a very liberal country. They are, Let's not forget. Um, so we'll, we'll what look was at it, what, what, was it, what, was it,
1: uh, what was his punch on, Johnny? What was his punch on?
0: <laughs> no comment just in case he's listening
1: <laughs> well done no, actually no, no, I'll, I'll, tell
0: you, I'll tell you another story which I can't repeat because mum said please don't tell people mum worked at a language school and she got a message from someone saying there's this football coach who needs a bit of guidance because his English isn't great and I went was it by any chance and mum turned down <laughs> oh there, there is another story involving my dad and a famous footballer. He is also Dutch. Um, when this particular player was playing in southwest London, he was a bit of a golfer. So he went and interviewed with my dad, who was the captain of the golf club. And dad said, look, insert tall footballer who went on to win the Champions League and is now the CEO of Ajax. We can't let you in because you're not going to use your membership on weekends because you're too busy. And that is the story of my dad turning down Edwin van der Sar from Coombe Hill Golf Club. Wow. Oh, dear. That's excellent. But that that isn't a patch on the best story in your book, Orientation, which involves Fenners tenors. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We were playing Rochdale that day, I think. Yeah, they just kind of... um... I'd never heard of it, and I'd obviously have heard of Soccer AM, and obviously Fenner's is on Soccer AM now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he was just kind of a bit of a jobbing pro, at Sky Sports doing bits here and there, and he had that um, "Take It Like a Fan" was the um, was the show that I think was on before Soccer AM in the morning, and I'd never really watched it. I couldn't even, never even thought about it, and so Sky um, sort of a runner, I think, with a clipboard mm-hmm. came outside the. um the supporters' club before the game, and we all stood there with a group of mates. And there was more mates than usual that day because I think they did some kind of mates for a fiver deal that they often do over Orient which is great for packing out the stands. And yeah, they just came up to us and um they, they said, "Oh, do you want to fancy like doing a football quiz uh, on TV?" And my mate just kind of stuck a finger in my chest and went, "He'll do it because um, I do like a quiz and I I fancy myself as a football trivia kind of guy." So. Um, yeah, agreed to do it, and then that meant that I was nervous for the rest of the game. Yeah, then when I did it, went onto the pitch, and Fener's was there, and the, the abiding memory—well, two abiding memories. One is him asking whether I'd heard of it before the, the game, and I said, "No, I'm, I'm sorry." And he kind of turned away and to himself, kind of went, "Does nobody watch this show?" <laughs> I kind of felt—I felt really sorry for him because I thought, "Yeah, surely people watch this show." But anyway, um, and then the second thing that I remember about it is the fact that they asked a the question. So they basically, it was just a quick fire, you know, bang, 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 answer as many as you can. Every time you get one right, you get 10 quid. Um, and he asked a question, um, I think I got it wrong, or I passed, or whatever it was, um, and finished, job done, and then my mate piped up, because two of my mates were watching, and he just said, um, oh, you do realise, and he basically pulled him up about a question, it was something about like Brian Robson and who he managed, I think.
0: It was, I, I can tell you, because I, I, I just read it, it was, who does Peter yeah. Reed manage now? Past, Thailand excuse Thailand. me I think you'll find that it's Brian Robson who manages Thailand that's it Yeah,
1: that's it so and Fenner's face kind of fell and he kind of dropped to his haunches and he was kind of pensively sort of bouncing up and down on his, on his heels I, I, I even offered I even said Look, just, can you not just cut it out and, or, or say it to me again and I'll get all the right questions and so he said no no it's not it's not real and I really respected him for that I was thinking you could easily kind of fudge it he said no it's just it's not genuine then it's not genuine Um, I said okay fine you know whatever whatever it is Um, but yeah they somehow and I'd I'd love to know how they did it but when I actually saw the footage because basically it ended up being who's going to be on TV me or my mate who they drafted in as a uh, like a surrogate to to fill the slot and um, it was will I be on TV or will this you know my mate be on TV and it was me and they somehow managed to stitch this thing together I, I couldn't I was there and I, I couldn't see how they'd edited it out. But they did it. It was a brilliant job. And then obviously that climaxed with the fact that I uh, refused to do the uh, the double or quits question because I was going away that weekend and I wanted the money. I didn't want to risk it. <laughs> so they, uh, they flashed up a, a picture of a milk bottle on the screen. Um, nice bit of subliminal editing that oh. they did there.
0: And uh, someone said, hey, weren't you the bloke on... What was it? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I it was away at Norwich in the FA Cup and a guy kind of, scary looking guy kind of accosted me in the box. I was thinking, oh God, what's going on <laughs> here? He's like, oh, you're, you're, that, you're that bloke, you're that bloke who, got a, who didn't do the double or quiz question. I was like, oh, Christ. <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up.
0: Nobody remembers the glory. Only Correct. The I, I,
1: I should have said, I won a hundred quid. Come on.
0: <laughs> Give him a fiver. I made them. <laughs> um Adam Mickey, the author of Orientation, I haven't told you that it's available for one pound ninety nine, although I got it as part of my Kindle Unlimited subscription. Ah, perfect. Uh, they don't pay tax, but they're very good at offering ebooks. But your book it, it exists in a physical form as well. It
1: does, I think you could probably get hold of it somewhere, but um yeah, the print the print sort of run ended ages ago. I I ended up actually giving the last of the print versions I had to the club to sell in their shop to try and, because it was just after Just Edinburgh passed away. Uh, and I thought, well, what tiny thing could I possibly do? So I just donated these books to, um, to Orient to sell in the shop. And I said, whatever you get, just keep it and put it towards the, um, the JE3 Foundation. Um, so, you know, there was maybe about a dozen books or so. So I might have got 100 quid or so, hopefully, mm-hmm. if they're still there or not. But, yeah, so it is only in digital format now unless you do happen to come across a copy of it somewhere.
0: I keep my going into charity found it. shops. My
1: mum found it in, my mum found it in Billericay Library.
0: Oh, I was blown away. That, that
1: really made my day. She said, she said yeah, I found your book in Billericay Library. And my, um, my great aunt, she's no longer with us, but she, bless her, she, lived, she used to live up in Barking, and she ordered it into her local Barking library so she could, um, so she could hire it out and read it.
0: It is a fantastic book, and I'm very glad that it's uh, celebrating... It's 10th anniversary. Uh, I will print it out on demand and stick it on the shelves because there are not many books written about Leighton Orient. Barry Hearn has not put out an autobiography. I have just checked on Amazon, and if he has, it's been pulped. Uh, But the shelves of the football library are bursting with programmes and fanzines. There is a fanzine for Orient, isn't it, called Orient Ear? Yeah.
1: The Orienteer, there's two. There's um, Pandemonium as well Is the other one. Pandemonium and The Orienteer, yeah, they're the two kind of main ones.
0: And did they both cover your book when it came out?
1: The, the Orienteer definitely did. I think they both did, actually, yeah. I think they both did.
0: Swell. well. Um, but I'm more interested in your wife, the mother of your child, because if she gets a job at the 2010 X Factor...
1: Yeah, Cardle, yeah, One Direction, uh, that chap... Uh, what was the chap with the ponytail and the moustache? Really big guy... Mm-hmm. Uh, Wagner
0: Wagner
1: Wagner Wagner yeah he was there yeah she she absolutely loved it she loved it yeah so she was she was there at the birth of One Direction that's her claim to fame
0: my yeah my One Direction story is I'm in mean, Heathrow Terminal 5 mum goes look over there and it's three of the haircuts from One Direction <laughs> unmolested no one's anywhere near them obviously Zane and Harry have gone to get some food leaving the other three there and I looked at them and if I'd be able to go back into the past, A, I'd get a a picture, and B, I'd say, this is the last time you will be able to do this ever, so enjoy it, because they were (laughs) flying over to work on the album. Uh, But they came across really well, obviously five versions of Justin Bieber. Pertinently for you, it meant that she was working in Wembley every weekend. That's correct. Yeah, she was Wembley Arena. Yeah, and you were gallivanting around the country, watching such games as Plymouth.
1: Plymouth were about to get relegated. I mean, that that was the whole thing. It was the season I decided, I, I can't be bothered with this right now. I want to watch some proper football with mates. You know, mates who are Arsenal fans, basically. Let's go to a local club. So my choice was either keep my Spurs membership for no reason on the off chance I might do something with it or just get rid of it and just go to Orient. So I decided to go to Orient. And it was the season, obviously, that They got to the Champions League, so I didn't go to a single Champions League game that season. And I didn't even have, in my flat at the time, I didn't even have, um, I think it was on Sky or something, or BT, or it was on something, and I didn't have it, so I didn't see a lot of the games. I had to follow a lot of the games, like on my phone or the internet or something, a dodgy stream somewhere or other. So yeah, a lot of the games I didn't see. Uh, AC Milan I definitely saw in a pub. I don't regret it. I I genuinely don't regret it. It was a really good season for Spurs, Generally, you know, Harry Redknapp made a put a good team together, and they were fun to watch. But it wasn't, and it goes to your point earlier that you know that I put into the book around enjoying football with mates. If I had a group of Spurs mates, I could, I'd have done that with them, no problem at all. I just, that's, I would have done it, um, but I didn't. You know, growing up in Essex, um, your choices are basically the kind of generally the London clubs, and then you've got like you, know, you need Liverpool's and your Man Uniteds, and, and nowadays' obviously the man cities. Um, I've, I've moved back to Essex now, so I no longer live in Leytonstone I moved in January. I'm now in sunny Leon Sea. Um, and you know, just look, looking around now, kids playing in the parks and stuff, they've all got all sorts of shirts on. I mean, it is it's such a global game. The availability of football, as you touched on earlier is ubiquitous it doesn't matter what team you, you could you could be a Barcelona fan from your chair in C if you really wanted to but when you grow up in sort of Essex in the 80s and 90s it's the London teams and maybe West Ham is, is probably the one you would become Leon C around here is very West Ham so there's probably a large community of West Ham fans here that you probably would, could get to know go up to the games and all that but I never had that I never had any of that at all and my best mates back in when I was a kid were, were Spurs fans and I was like, Oh well, that's what I want. I want to be able to I was looking ahead and going, Oh, I wanna go to football with my mates, um and I love my granddad to bits and but you know, it's going to football with your granddad, you know, you can't do that forever. Um and it's not exactly street cred, you know. If it was maybe going with my granddad, my dad, you know, that kind mm. of family line thing, that may be different. But it wasn't, it was just me and my granddad and I just I just wanted to be my mates really.
0: Indeed, um, and this was... So,
1: yeah, having, had, having that availability of a local club in Latin Orient, we could just unit, unite behind one team, which you can't do if you're an Arsenal Spurs fan. You have to pick something else. And if you want regular football, that's what you've got to do. Um, so, no, I, I don't regret it at all. I've had an amazing season. It was, it was great fun, and I'd, I carried on. You know, we kept the season ticket for years afterwards.
0: That's well. And it all spurred on, sorry, because in 2010, that's you actually... said, well, the romance has gone. There's too much money. It is phenomenal. Looking back, it's like those Premier League years. I can't have expected I think Alan Parry to say with Manchester United about to meet Manchester City. This is the season 2010-11 of the Rooney wonder goal against Man City over his head. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Keys and Gray debacle that saw them De- debacle, outsourced yeah. to Qatar, and then of course in January the Andy Carroll Fernando Torres deal
1: oh god yeah Ten years. 32 million wow yeah crazy that, that's is that 10 years ago wow so.
0: can't do anything about that's, it that. that's bonkers in and how much did the season ticket cost was it a 200 b 300 or four 1200 pound like a spurs season ticket would cost <laughs> it was 300 quid or actually it was i
1: think it worked out about 320 quid if you factored in the or uh, well, three hundred twenty-five quid you factor in the uh, the credit that I was paying because I I didn't have three hundred quid lying around at the time unfortunately so I had to get it on on the old credit um, and you pay it back monthly but no I, I mean absolutely incredible value you know you get what twenty three games and then if you wanted to go to any of the other cup games you know you it's maybe like fifteen quid mm. do you know what I mean tenner yeah it's nothing um, and it's you know what even now I don't think it's probably much more than 380 or 400 quid to get a season ticket over there I'd recommend it to anybody that's the thing with London uh, there'd be mi- millions of people in London like blokes my, my age at the time I was I think I was 27 at the time so blokes my age who will be coming from all over the country and certainly will not be supporting the same clubs you know if you're really into your football and you want something on a Saturday afternoon why not just get a season ticket for your local club you look at Brentford and have a quality, look at what they've been able to achieve. Uh,
0: They're going to get follow. so many fans this year.
1: Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. Um, you know, even though having followed Orient, I'm supposed to dislike Brentford. I can't. I can't not. I can't dislike Brentford with what they've been able to achieve. There's so many good clubs in the vicinity that you could go and see every I mean, no, you don't even have to go a uh, uh, football league level. You know, there's there's clubs like uh, Clapton Orient
0: Dulwich or
1: Dulwich Hamlet. Exactly. It's a proper day out with your mates. Have a beer. Have a pie. Have a chat. Have a laugh. Go home. It doesn't matter about what happened in the, in the game. You worry about it at a time, and then that's it. That was the beauty of Orient. You it didn't matter. I mean, obviously it mattered, and you, it mattered more as time wore on. But you didn't agonise about the minutiae of it. You, you know, you know, like they kind of the, the tiny things that happen in football games that they just talk about endlessly. I've, I've stopped listening the commentary at the end of games I basically if I watch a game I'll turn it on at the start I'll turn it off at half time I'll then wait 15 minutes and as soon as it started I'll turn it back on again so I don't have to listen to any of the guff in between because
0: it's just nonsense I live it's just I live near two pubs nonsense. and last year I watched both Watford Man U and Watford Liverpool we won both games I turned up kick off watched the first half in O'Neill's went to Sainsbury's to grab some chocolate at half time and went to Bosley's to watch the second half And just the, I will always remember those games, even though it didn't matter because Watford went down that season. But to beat Man United and to beat Liverpool, that Liverpool side, it's just, it's the narratives that you tell in years and years and years' time. And I'm sure, Orion, um, the fans who saw them come back into the Football League after I will not mention his name at all. Uh, I was going to ask, who's a worse owner, that man or Alan Sugar? I mean, a lot of people don't like sugar, but oh, it's that man, no, isn't it? The, sure. the Italian
1: man, yeah, he's right. by far worse. Awful, awful, awful. At least Alan Sugar, to his to his credit, he did save the club and he brought in Jurgen Klinsmann twice.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't particularly like Alan Sugar and the way that he, this whole idea of what was it a Carlos kickball, where he basically held the club back. The amount of players is probably apocryphal, I think, with a lot of the stories. But the amount of players, you know, we could have signed, but okay. he didn't want. Yeah, Bergkamp so this is probably controversial coming from a Spurs fan but I Bergkamp remains one of my favourite players like of all time because he was majestic I hate that he plays for Arsenal but I'm not so blinkered as to not recognise that he was absolutely unbelievable I'm starting to warm a bit more to Thierry Henry now I obviously despised him at the time I don't think I'd ever say oh he was one of my favourite ever but what a footballer very he very good was. at his job um, yeah yeah and the other guy is Ian Wright. Like, I think it's his punditry. It's just, he's a very likeable guy. Again, hated him at the time. Because, uh, yeah, and he was just score against as well. Same with um, uh, Henri. Sometimes you just got to go, yeah, I'll probably draw the line elsewhere though.
0: By sticking with Spurs, you have seen the Pochettino team. And we're speaking on the day that Paulo Fonseca is effectively being brought in in a swap deal. Because Mourinho has <laughs> taken his job at Roma. You've got this new sporting director... And we all remember yeah. Franco Baldini and Frank... It was Frank Arneson, wasn't it, at Spurs for a bit? Frank Arneson,
1: Jeff, we had Camoli as well, yeah, and Camoli. David Pleat. Yeah. Um, and David
0: Pleat, It's yeah.
1: It's funny, yeah. So, honestly, to be fair, Camoli brought in a lot of what it turned out to be decent players. Arneson brought in a few decent players. Yeah, it, it's never really worked out that well, having a director of football. And I don't know whether it's because it's just... Levy is... Still wants to be involved in somewhere or other where he doesn't give them the, the, the kind of the length of rope that they need. But apparently, I think Paratici is coming in as CEO of Sporting something or other. Right, and it's slightly more power. I know it's probably sounds just, very um,
0: corporate. Uh,
1: yeah, it does. Um, but if it means that you can draw a line between Levy's involvement of what's happening on the pitch and the business side of things, which undoubtedly. He's very good at. He, he has taken a very middling average football team, turned them into the eighth richest, ninth richest club in the world, created a billion pound stadium. Uh, we're one of the most valuable brands in the world. Let's put all that to one side. Nobody, no fan actually cares about that. We want to win stuff. So yes, great job. Well done, Daniel. Fantastic stuff. Now let's concentrate on the football if bringing Paratici in is that step to concentrate on the football, great. I'm unconvinced by Fonseca, but I will obviously give him a go. I can't criticise the guy. He's never taken a, had a, been in charge of a game yet, so I'm not going to be so harsh as to say he's rubbish before he's even set foot at the club. Um, but it's uninspiring and underwhelming. But I said exactly the same thing when Mauricio Pochettino came on board. I said exactly the same thing. I said I was underwhelmed. Um, and I think at the time we were going for Louis van Gaal, and I remember thinking, oh, we missed out on that van Gaal. And then he went and ended up going to Man United and being a bit meh. Um, and Pochettino was Pochettino. So who knows? I mean, I was a bit maybe more enthused when Harry Redknapp came on board, but not particularly inspired. But look what happened when he came on board. And then I was really excited when we got Jacques Santini in. After that, I think was it 2004?
0: Yeah, he won the World Cup.
1: Euro- European Championships on the back of the European Championships, I think.
0: It was who so won it was two- oh, no. jackie jackie yeah, won the two- World two- Cup. Santini won the yeah, World Cup.
1: Two- yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, so it was off the back of you know having some success with France, and I was really excited about it. And he was there for five minutes, and then Martin Joel came in, and so the three, my three favourite, I suppose, if I put Terry Venables aside because that was kind of probably slightly too early for me in a way. But, yeah, I mean, Harry that, Martin Yole and Pochettino are the three favourite managers I've had in my Spurs supporting life. And they were all, I guess, second choices or utility choices. or You know, it was nobody's first choice. So maybe that's what, maybe Fonseca coming in is, is, is the same kind of vibe where he he's not Conte, he's not Poch coming back, he's not uh, Ten Hag or someone like that maybe he just does it his own way. I think the worst thing about it is we know that he's got to do it all on a shoestring.
0: Yes, apparently he's been told he can't sign any players unless, of course, Kane goes I, for a and 100. I don't hundred understand. The, the,
1: the great line that Levy trotted out, I think it might have been in his um, programme notes towards the end of last season, was how COVID had hit every club so hard and you won't see much business in the market. And then you see today that Aston Villa signed Buendia for a record fee. And you're like, well, hang on. People are doing business. I thought we weren't doing business. So
0: well, that's TV money.
1: So, they're, they're spending the TV money. Well, where's our TV money? <laughs> it's the same TV money. We've got Europa League money as well. You know, We got all the way to the cup final <laughs> for the League Cup. Yes. Where's that money? Uh, uh,
0: I, I know, can tell you where it's gone. It's gone to George Mendez's top clients Res, uh, redundancy yep. fee. Um, yes, it, the hashtag would be Spursy.
1: Yeah, Spursy. Yeah,
0: very Spursy now, I've well, shaken off that tag for a while yeah well you can always shake and then, you weren't Spursy in 1961 or in 1981 but yes for most of my lifetime it's been hashtag oh, yeah. Spursy